My name is Amanda Smith, class of 24, and you're listening to Blazer Radio, the voice of Hood College in Frederick, Maryland. Good morning, Hood College. You are listening to Blazer Radio, and welcome to another episode of the Midweek Meltdown for the spring semester. I am your host, Tommy O'Neill, class of 2023. And as you know, this is a show where we discuss the various issues that are on our minds of Hood students. Each week, we pick several topics that we think Hood students would be interested in hearing about and discuss them, and we offer our own opinions and advice. Occasionally, we have some experts on the show who can offer some more guided advice. Today on our panel is Adela Sebastian, class of 2025, Dorian Young, class of 2023, Jordan Cosley, class of 2023. And joining us today, we have our own first special guest on the show, and that is none other than Provost Dev Ricker. So Provost Ricker, welcome to the Midweek Meltdown. It is nice having you. Good morning. I'm proud to be the first. And as you all know, on last week's show, we talked about the email that came out from the president informing students that several majors and minors would be discontinued and that other majors and minors would be put on review. There seems to be a lot of confusion about what this all means, and we were hoping that you can help us kind of clear up some of those misconceptions for us. So um, I guess our our first question is, uh, can you start by talking about the uh, process of how the decision was, was made? Sure, happy to do that, and thanks for thanks again for the invitation to join today in Midweek Meltdown. The, the broader context for this decision really came, it started back in 2017-2018 when the college was charged with reviewing our institutional budgets at all levels, academic and administrative budgets, uh, and this review process really emanated from that. It, it compelled us to look really carefully at all of our academic programs as well as all of our administrative offices and assess how and where we spend our money to support our students uh, and and support our mission. Uh, And so in 2019, as an outcome of that review, several academic programs were put on what we call conditional status. And what that provided was a three-year timeline for those programs, both majors and minors, to develop um, a targeted action plan to help uh, improve enrollment and, and graduation rates in those programs to work with the college on on marketing strategies and recruitment strategies to make some curricular changes that might make those programs a little bit more, a little bit different. Um, And so uh, I worked with all the department chairs to put those action plans in place over that three-year period since 2019. And then the the, uh, agreement was we would stop and assess where we were. There were certain benchmarks the programs had had to meet. And both the departments and administration, everybody was pretty clear on what those benchmarks were. So we monitored them across time. And then this was the the year when those conditional programs underwent what's called an academic program review, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. That's, that's, I believe, one of your questions. So I'll give a deeper dive on that process then. Okay. But at the end of that program review, we, we had to come to a decision in terms of those programs meeting those benchmarks. And as you saw in the president's email, some of those programs didn't meet the benchmarks, and so we're moving forward with uh, the decisions that that were imminent when we started the reviews in 2019. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, and going back to the the email, uh, 
suppressed chap stated that the landscape of higher education is constantly changing. And I know you kind of just touched on this a little bit, but um, can you go into like a little more detail about that? And there's also the part about, she says over the past few years, Hood College needs to adapt mm -hmm. to that landscape. Yeah. Um, so would you know kind of like maybe the process for that? Uh, because I know this is, you said this has been uh, a long time coming since mm -hmm. 2019. Yeah. So I know that takes that process is kind of a longer one. Yeah, it does take a long time, but but yeah, that's a great question. And higher education is a landscape that is certainly ever evolving. And I think if it's it's ironic that that you present this question because I I usually meet with the department chairs every January in a big retreat, and one of the leading topics at this year's retreat was change management, and how do we as academic leaders respond to the students that we're recruiting and admitting to our campus every year. Uh, and they're changing needs and interests and demands. And certainly if we're gonna continue to deliver our mission, we've gotta be responsive to that. I also share with them that, that Hood College has been thriving and strong for over 130 years, and we haven't been that successful without being adaptive and without mm -hmm. responding to change. We're the, insti the strong institution we are today because of the college's uh, courage to do that and yeah. to be responsive. So as we've seen most recently in the higher education landscape, certainly programs in the arts and humanities are ones that are drawing a lot of attention. Um, you hear of a number of colleges and universities doing a similar strategy, reviewing their programs that students are pursuing and the programs that they're not and really being really strategic about where they're spending their limited budget dollars. Hood's no exception. Where Hood is an exception, I feel I could be biased because I love this institution and I love our liberal arts mission. Where we have been unwavering is in our commitment to the liberal arts and you see that most impressively um, in our core curriculum where it doesn't matter what your major is. It doesn't matter if you're a philosophy major or a, a biology major or a business major. You have a liberal arts core curriculum that has an impressive breadth and depth across all arts and humanities and, and that is something that we have been consistently um, proud of and unwavering in. And a shameless little plug, um, as, and many of you may have been a part of this, we're in the throes now of reviewing that core curriculum to respond again to, to student interest and student demand and really faculty response that our current core is falling a little short of what our current students um, need to experience today in terms of a liberal arts um, education. Yeah, one thing that we were talking about earlier um, in terms of like Hood College and colleges in general, changing that curriculum. Back when Hood started, you could get a degree in home ec. Mm -hmm. um, and I think up until the 90s, um, interior design. Mm -hmm. um, one of my wife's best friends, that's what her degree was. Yeah. So that's, you know, that landscape is, I think, changed since inception. Yeah, and that's one of the things that Hood has really had a strong track record in, and that is some really innovative thought leaders on the faculty side, you know, courageous leaders on the administrative side, moving that change forward. It, change is not easy in any, in any regard. It isn't easy, but it really is incumbent upon us to, to respond to, to what our students are asking for um, and, and really be responsive to an ever-evolving landscape of education, yeah. particularly post-pandemic. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, I think we all had, I think, one question uh, prepared. So, Jordan, if you want to go ahead and ask yours. Yeah, thank you so much. So, 
Do you think that people, specifically students and even staff, read and comprehended the email that was sent? Boy, Jordan, I sure hope so, that the, the president has had a strong track record of sending her updates through the email platform. And they're, as you know, packed full of some really important information, both for students, faculty, for alumni, and the board of trustees, right? They also see these messages. I can, I can speak to the faculty side. This, this has been a process that has been on our radar for quite some time. It has been on my radar. It's been on the departments who have been impacted. It's been on their radar. And the academic program review cycle is something that, that folks are very familiar with. I feel we also knew that this March, the Board of Trustees are meeting this March, that was a, that was a timeline that, that we were all aware of. And so approaching that timeline, it was really important to get communication out to the faculty and to the community about what we were going to be presenting to the trustees. And again, that's, that's reflective of our commitment to, a, to an open and transparent process. So I hope they read it. I hope they continue to read it. And I hope, as evidenced today, if there are questions or concerns about the content, that, that we can come to the table and talk about it a little bit more deeply. Cool. So yeah. just a follow-up question regarding to other students who may be listening today or read the email and still maybe aren't understanding it because sometimes they are lengthy, which is fine, but sure. sometimes you know students might miss something or misinterpretate something, which is something that even you know we have we may have done. Who can they contact in regards to concerns or questions that they have? Yeah, that, my door is always open. I know President Chapdelaine's is as well. She holds her open office hours. The Chat with Chap office hours are available. Those are those are just the two most immediate contacts that I can offer, pretty unequivocally. Would you suggest like how would you suggest them doing that for contact you? Would it be an email or yeah. would it be just kind of like showing up and making an appointment? Yeah, you, either either one. Stopping you as you're walking to your car, going home. Either, either. <laughs> and, and that happens. That would not be the best way. To, <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about just who and what the board of trustees is are mm. and what their role is? Yeah, the board of trustees is the college's ultimate governing body. Per per their bylaws, they make all the the, the final. And every college has one, right? Mm. They, they're called different things, Board of okay. Visitors, Board of Regents. But yeah, there is a there is a governing board that yeah. that uh, is really accountable to make significant decisions on behalf of the institution. They're the ultimate authority, and they charge the president with with um, with leading the institution, both operationally and financially, and we okay. report to them. They meet here on campus or and virtually three times a year. Wow. Is there, I mean, I don't know if there's a answer to this question, but like who has final say? Is it the board or is it the president? On these, the, pre the board. The board does? Correct. Okay. And again, you know, something I think we all need to understand too is like they don't make these decisions lightly. It's not something no. that they're making no. you know without going through everything and you know they're hard decisions oh boy you know um you go back to when um hood decided to uh have men living on campus you know that was a very uh, my wife was pissed about that one <laughs> <laughs> but you know those were the decisions that needed to be made back and that then. wasn't too long ago either oh when was it 2000 eight early 2000s yeah. eight nine i can't remember I when it was, it was 11 i thought it was pretty like Fairly, fairly recent though. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't go co-ed till what, like, the it was the two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, co-ed to live on campus. Uh, okay, okay. They were co-ed for a while ago. Al Weinberg was one of the yeah, first. It was in oh. two phases. First right, admitting right. him. The to, first it, yeah, admitted as a take commuter. classes yeah. to mm -hmm. enroll mm -hmm. and then admitted as a residential yeah. student. So okay. Yeah. Two two phases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think that is good clarifying, like who that group is. 
because everybody here is like you know board of trustees you know what they are (laughs) they are an important group of people that's for sure but they are yeah a a highly engaged and and wholly committed group of people to hood hood's mission and our students are they all alumni as evidenced by this space are they all alumni or some of them are right many of them are many of them but some of them are but they're community leaders correct okay so could you just elaborate on the academic program review that these majors and minors went through and like what sort of criteria was involved both internally and externally reviewing them? Great question. And that's, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of the work that we've done as a college on the academic program review side. Um, as I mentioned, we were charged many years ago with developing a review process for all of our budgets administratively and academically. And, um, at that time, we had an academic program review process that was, that was I think, adequate, but it wasn't being used the way it ought to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a series of, of, of guidelines and steps that departments went through and chairs submitted program reviews that sat on a shelf and never got used to inform any decisions. And so when we were doing this budget review just prior to 2019, um, I stopped the the academic program review process for about a two-year period, and then when we resumed it, we completely reshaped and reframed the guidelines for that review to reflect the process we had just underwent. Uh, And so for the last um, three years, we've been deploying a new academic program review process that is a a, a lot more comprehensive, that includes a lot more um, detail about academic programs and majors with regard to, to metrics and outcomes. And it's also got a great deal of visibility after the review. We have a self-study that the departments put together about all that they've done in, in a five, usually a five-year span is, is what we take a look at. Curriculum changes, faculty changes, enrollment changes, you know, changes in class size or scope, those sorts of things. Looking at outcomes of the alumni and the graduates and, and what's happened there. If it's a, a program that supports the core curriculum, how has that evolved or grown over the, over the five-year period? And so we have a, a comprehensive internal review of that document, and then we invite folks from other institutions to come to campus and review that self-study, meet our students, meet our faculty, view our facilities, and provide input from their professional perspective on the program. So, for example, the, the programs that we reviewed this year, the music program was the external reviewer was a faculty member and former music administrator at Nazareth. Um, we, for our biology program review, we had folks from Sanford University as well as Belmont University come to campus and review the program. And so they're accountable to provide us with a report on their perceptions. And we then bake all of that, all of those outcomes together. We bake all those outcomes together to identify recommendations and action steps for the departments to move forward. You would think that would be enough. Oh, no, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Those recommendations are then advanced to the curriculum committee of the college. Uh, Of course, to the the departments, they're advanced to our planning, budgeting, and assessment committee in case there are financial implications. And then finally, they're advanced to the board of trustees. So we're really just trying to do a better job, essentially, of being accountable for reviewing all of our programs, essentially checking their pulse, seeing how they're thriving and and making strategic decisions about how we want to to move them forward and what we need to move them forward Mm -hmm. yeah so going off of that um 
I was just wondering if the COVID-19 pandemic was taken into consideration at all while this review was taking place, because I'm sure we all remember there weren't a lot of students on campus. We weren't really having a lot of theater, music, or even like dance performances. Um, So in that sort of sense, I feel like there was definitely a lull in the arts period and an interest in those courses. But I think now if we were to look at those programs, we would see a lot of growth because um, as Jordan and I know, the theater program has grown a lot just over the past year. It's the most people I've seen in it since even my freshman year. So I was just wondering if that was something that was taken into consideration. It sure was. And when we looked at the, and I'm going to speak to this in two two aspects. One is a qualitative, one's a quantitative. On the quantitative side, we didn't see a, a market marked difference between pre and and post or peri pandemic um, numbers in majors or numbers of graduates or enrollments in classes qualitatively I saw the same thing you saw Um, and I've seen that not only in theater but also in music and that is with regard to the performances there seems to be and and the quantitative data bear this out a little bit as well that students seem to be gravitating toward the ensembles and the performances maybe less so to pursuing it as a full-on major. So that was really part of the essence of our recommendations, that we'll continue the theater, the theater minor uninterrupted. Um, we'll have a, a, a staffing transition there. We've got a faculty member returning in the fall semester. And, and theater will stay in conditional status for the next three years. We'll have performances. We'll have the minor. We'll continue to assess it. Because I saw the same thing you saw and others did as well. And that came out in the review. The external reviewer was actually pretty pointed in saying this looks to be, you know, the start of something really promising. So let's let's retain the theater minor for a period of time and see how it flourishes. Mm -hmm. Music, we saw a similar trend. We saw increasing numbers of students in the ensembles. They love performing. They love being in the chorus. They love being in the, the string ensemble. It has flourished beautifully. So let's keep those ensembles but the students don't seem to be moving from that performance-based approach to the full-on major. Mm -hmm. So we're really striving to retain the strength. There's strength in the music program and it's in its strong place in the core curriculum. We're gonna retain those courses. We're gonna retain the the theater minor. And for philosophy, we're retaining all those really strong courses that are an essential part of our core. They're part of other majors on campus. Those are thriving, so let's keep those pieces. And that's our plan. That, those were the recommendations articulated in the president's email. Okay, yeah. Um, just as a quick follow-up question, um, for advertising, mm-hmm. I guess my question is, was there any change in that sort of aspect yeah. while this review was taking place? Because I think before I was enrolled in Hood, I don't really recall seeing any like significant advertising for like these majors and minors. Um, so I don't know if like that has changed at all or if you could touch on that a little bit. Boy, we could we could probably have a whole midweek meltdown <laughs> on that topic. Um, and and I know that perhaps in a later show, you're going to invite the marketing team to, for a for a conversation about some other issues. I would I would encourage you to bring that question forward to them as well, but from my vantage point, it's interesting because as I shared with you, the programs that were put on conditional status all had to develop action plans. And those action plans were implemented over the last three years. And marketing and promotion was a piece of each program's action plan. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question very directly, yes, that's what we, that's what we tried. We tried um, through, through website, through promoting internally, which is kind of interesting. And I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but 
What I see as provost and what our academic advisors see is that some majors students aren't attracted to when they're admitted. Some majors students are attracted to once they're here and may have taken a course through the core curriculum or through some other avenue or, or through some type of co-curricular experience. That attracts them to the major. Maybe some of you are in that situation. The major you started with is not the major that you have now. You find your way to it. Uh, and what we see in some of these programs is that, in, in some of our majors, is that students kind of find their way to it. So marketing isn't just outward-facing, I guess is my point. Marketing isn't just an outward-facing effort. It's an inward-facing effort. And the action plans for these programs had both of those elements. Um, for example, one of the, one of the minors uh, posited to do a lot more promotion with regard to minors that are, that are presented at the majors fair every year. And so the Career Development Center is a key part of that. They promoted them through handshake. They promoted mm. them through flyers at the events. They promoted them by giving academic advisors more information about minors. So all of those efforts were, were deployed. Awesome. So my follow-up question regarding to teachers specifically, because you touched on it a little bit. Yeah. So how are teachers impacted by the by this decision? Because I know you talked about that, you know, a lot of these classes will still be offered. So I guess maybe for me reading the email, I, I get a little confused of, you know, we're offering these classes, but you know, they may be tailored down. So in conclusion, how are teachers <laughs> <laughs> impacted by this decision? In conclusion. In conclusion, yes. Great, great question. Um, in, the, in, in the short term, there's, there's going to be little to no impact on the faculty members that are um, supporting these, the majors. Um, and the, the reason why is, again, articulated in the email that we will, we will 100% support the current students that are enrolled in those majors. Any student that matriculated at Hood, when those majors were in our catalog, we will, we will support their progression in that major, unequivocally. Um, in the longer term, as those students graduate and the major is, is discontinued, the upper level courses in the major will, of course, no longer continue, need, need to, to serve our catalog. So we'll discontinue those upper level courses while, again, maintaining those courses that are a central part of our core curriculum and supportive courses of other majors. So those faculty will continue to teach and play a very important role in our philosophy curriculum as well as our, our music uh, curriculum. And I, I say longer term because, as I shared earlier, we're in the midst of a, uh, a revision of our core curriculum. And so it's, it's hard to read the tea leaves that the faculty are going to be voting on, on one of two models at their April meeting. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm Hearts, really hopeful. hands, and minds. And what was the other? What's the other one? You and Hood. You and Hood. Yes. yes. So to, they're both. A big discussion about amazing. that the other day. Yep. They're both really amazing. So I'm hoping in yeah. April, the faculty will give us a, a, a green light on which of those models we want to move forward with. But the opportunities to continue to embed philosophy and music in those core curricula exist. Gotcha. So to so so in conclusion, <laughs> uh, in conclusion, <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> longer term, the faculty may be teaching different courses related to philosophy and music. Okay. And and that, I think, is what Hood faculty do best. That that leverages their creativity, their innovation, and in particular their their spirit of of an interdisciplinary approach to these programs. Um, the philosophy department chair and I have had a lot of conversations about how. If a, a student may not want to major in philosophy, in fact, we've seen that. 
but it, we we have to bring the concept of philosophy to them whether directly or indirectly it's a bit like putting the broccoli in the brownie mm-hmm. so Ooh. so throughout our throughout our courses you're going to get an essence of philosophy you're going to get it in your disciplines you're going to get it in your first year seminar you're going to you're going to get it in the honors curriculum but you might not know you're getting it so again i just i use that as an example mm. of creative approaches that i have seen our faculty just be complete masters at um, interdisciplinary thinking nice thank you Okay, and uh, our last question for you is, if you can think of any, what steps can HOOD students take to encourage other students to consider taking those, those classes uh, in, those, in those specific areas? In, in what specific areas? Music, philosophy. Well, but the, yes. classes are, are, the classes are, will still exist, so they'll be part of our core curriculum, and there'll be options there for all our students. So I, I have always been an advocate for, um, and, and You'll pardon the indulgence here for just a moment. I know no. we're talking a lot about the core curriculum. One of my pet peeves is when a student says they took a class to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I feel that is that is a complete betrayal of the purposeful, you know, kind of deliberative process that your education ought to be. Every class choice, should there should be a reason behind it, not to get it out of the way. So what I would encourage is to to continue to have that that thoughtful deliberation and planning about you know, what courses do you want to experience as part of your academic journey, regardless of your major, regardless of your minor, and make real purposeful choices about them. And that can be a course that really changes your life. It was for me, uh, and I know it was for a number of folks, that, that a course that you had that wasn't a required class for your major, but it, it might have been a core option or an elective option, can be transformative. So that would be what I would encourage, not, not you know, specifically for... Yeah one direct course over another, but holistically. Yeah, and I know, speaking of that, I have plenty of students who have, you know, not come right out and said it, but I know that they've taken either a photography class or a video media production class. For example. To get it out of the way, you know, (laughs) because they have to fill that slot. And I have them, you know, in four or five other classes because they've fallen in love with. And they have said, I, you know, I took this class because I thought it would be fun and I needed to fill a slot and I didn't think I would fall in love with it. So, you know, for you guys to encourage students to say, look, you know, give these classes a shot, you know, because they can change your mind, you know, and you might find something that you had no idea, you know, that you were interested in. That's the whole point of liberal arts is to introduce. You know, it's cliche, but we, we, we talk to our students all the time about stepping outside of their comfort zone and, Back to the January department chair's retreat that I led about change, one of the quotes I shared with them is, there's no comfort in the change zone, and there's no change in the comfort zone. I think Did you all, just make that up? No, it's a quote. Do you know who? That's a good one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. It's from our Leading with Gratitude book, Senior Team's Been Reading. It's good. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so that's, I think it's really, and I say this just not only to your response um, to, the, to the question about what to do on the student side, this is really a call to action for us as faculty and administrative leaders is, is we, we, we've got to be willing to, to sit in that discomfort for a period of time because the, 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 um, the ultimate goal of that change is to support our students and to support our mission. All right. Yeah, thank you. That, that, I think that was really, really helpful, I think, for all of us and for the people listening. So 
that's going to wrap up our show for today. But until next week, I am your host, Tommy O'Neill. I'm Doreen Young. I'm Ottila Sebastian. Jordan Costley. And thank you again to uh, Provost Ricker for joining us on the show and being a, a great resource for all of our all of our questions. Sure thing. It's been a privilege. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, so make sure you join us for next Wednesday for another episode of the Midweek Meltdown. We will hopefully be having Executive Director or Marketing and for Marketing and Communications, Lori Ward, on the show to talk about all of the emails we get and how we can best keep track of all of the information that is important to us.